book's amazing. Mm-hmm. I'll do that one first then. This is what Don Carson, this is a question that Don Carson uh, gives at the beginning of his book, A Call to Spiritual Reformation. He says this, what is the most urgent need in the church of the Western world today? Not polos. Some in the church would say it is purity in sexual and reproductive matters. Others would say it's integrity and generosity in the financial area. Others would say in this hour of spiritual decline, evangelism and church planting is what is most needed. Others would perhaps say what we most urgently need is disciplined biblical thinking. Don Carson suggests this to his question, what is the most urgent need in the church? He suggests this, the one thing we most urgently need in Western churches is a deeper knowledge of God. We need to know God better. And then he says one of the foundational steps in knowing God and one of the basic demonstrations that we know God is prayer. And so today we're going to be looking at the subject of prayer. So we're going to be continuing our real life, our real Jesus, real uh, Jesus, look at the the book of John, Um, but we're actually going to be taking a bit more of a, it's wonderful, we're going to be taking a bit more of a broader view at what is prayer. And before I push on, I want to give you two books to recommend. First of all, Dirty Glory by Pete Gregg. If you have not read that, and if you have not got it, you should get it today. Order it online. It's absolutely brilliant. It is the biggest provocation of prayer. It's just story after story of God moving in incredible ways. And it's it's all about prayer. uh, Pete Gregg is the founder of a movement called 24-7 Prayer. he, He founded this movement. And it's just incredible. It's such an encouragement to read. And the second one is that after I have finished talking, there will be four, three, three, and one dirty. Uh, Enjoy your prayer life books. First come, first served. First till Kvarnia. Okay? If you would like to take one of these books, please do come and grab them. They will be here at the end. Just really simple. They take half an hour. You're not allowed to do an hour there. Uh, <laughs> ready, steady, go. Um, you're not, uh, uh, it's half an hour, literally. Just real simple. Okay, this is why we pray. This is, it's an encouragement to pray. So do go and take them. Okay, what we're going to do today, then, is we're going to look at two things uh, when it comes to prayer. We're going to look at why do we pray? Question number one. Why do we pray? What's the point? We're, as a church, we pray. Uh, we're encouraged to pray Quite regularly, the question is why? What's prayer all about? And the second question we're going to look at is how can we pray? And what we're going to be doing over the next couple of weeks is looking at John chapter 17. So we will be continuing real Jesus. And in that, what we see is something known as the high priestly prayer. We see Jesus pray. Okay? And as I was preparing, I thought, Do you know what? I think we need to have a good understanding of what prayer is before we get into that. And so we will get into that. But as I said, I just want a big overview 
today, as much as I can do in about half an hour, of why do we pray and how do we pray. We meet all sorts of different Jesuses in the Gospels. And it's, you know, through the book of John, we've seen all these different sides to who Jesus is, all these different characters to who Jesus is. There's one side that you don't necessarily think about, think this is what Jesus is like, um, that we meet in the beginning of John. And we actually meet him in the end of Matthew, Mark and Luke as well. And it's the Jesus that I would call temple clearing Jesus. It's the Jesus that goes into a temple, sees people not doing what they should be doing, i.e. they have made the temple a marketplace, they're selling sheep and oxen, they're selling cannabula and coffee, and not that there's anything wrong with cannabula and coffee during church. (laughs) But they've made the temple a marketplace. And Jesus goes in and sees this, and we see this other side to Jesus that we don't necessarily expect, because what he does is he starts to throw the tables of the people selling and he pushes people out of the temple. Jesus is angry. He's passionate about the temple. And this is what he says. He says, It is written, my house shall be called a house of prayer. Jesus is passionate about God's house, the temple, being a house of prayer. And that actually goes back to a um, a prophecy in Isaiah 56 in the Old Testament where God again says, my temple shall be a house of prayer. And he says that to Isaiah, the Jew, but what he actually says is for all people. For the Gentiles, for all people, not just for you Jews. My house, my temple will be a house of prayer for everyone. And then Jesus rocks up to the temple and it's not a house of prayer. It's a place where they're selling sheep. And so he gets super angry. God wants us to be a house of prayer. Of course, now we live in this new covenant where we don't go to temples and that's where God's presence is. But we, together, are the temple of God. We're the living temple of God. We all have God's presence inside of us, which makes us the temple of God. To us, together, right here, right now, this is God's house of prayer. That's what Jesus is saying. Why is he interested in about the house of prayer? Because he's interested in relationship. God is into relationship. All the way through scripture. This is the Bible. First page of it, pretty much. Genesis 3. God is with man. Last page of it, Revelation 21. There will be no more tears, no more suffering, no more pain. He will be our God and we will be his people. And from that page, the first page to the last page, relationship, relationship, relationship. I want a people, I want a people, I love you. You're going away, come back. I want you, I want you, I want you. You've gone away too far, I'll send Jesus. I love you, I love you, come. It's relationship. God is interested in relationship. He absolutely loves being with us. And what prayer is, in its most simplest form, simplest definition, is talking to God. That is prayer. Talking to God. It's relationship with God. That's what prayer is. It's talking to God. So we have relationships with each other. How do we build those relationships? 
We talk. It's amazing. When the kids are like two and three, they, they don't talk, they stare at each other. And they just like, just literally stare for ages, and there's no awkwardness or anything. They don't really build relationship. Freddie's not got any friends, really. Oh. I could tell you some very sad stories about that. But I won't. That's okay. Most kids his age don't, I'm pretty sure. But the way that we build relationship is by talking. Oh, you like football? I like football too. You like coffee? I like coffee too. God is interested in relationship. And so he says, do you know what? Pray to me. Talk to me. I want you guys, church, I want you to be a church that talks to me. I want to talk to you. I want to have a relationship. Pray. And we see that all the way through scripture. I should probably stop throwing my Bible there. <laughs> Old Testament. New Testament. We see time and time and time again, people pray. People talk to God. And of course this... One of the most obvious examples is if you look at Matthew, Mark, Luke and John and look at Jesus' life, it's just a life of prayer. I challenge you to open John to any page and find a situation where Jesus isn't praying at some point on those pages. It's just, it's prayer, it's prayer, it's prayer. Jesus was extremely busy, extremely busy. He always found time to pray. He prioritised it. He, he, he would pray in the morning, early in the morning. He would pray through the night, late at night. He would pray on his own, up a mountainside. He would pray with a group of friends. He would teach people how to pray. He would pray before moments of extreme agony. He would pray after moments of extreme joy. Jesus' life was a life of prayer. And we want to be more like Jesus, right? That's what discipleship is. We want to be more like Jesus. We want to be sanctified. We want to become more holy. We want to be more like Jesus. How do we do that? There's a big, big clue in the Gospels. Become a people of prayer. Become a people of prayer. A house of prayer. Jesus prayed, prayed, prayed all the time. Hebrews 5, 6 says this. Uh, during the days of Jesus' life on earth, he offered up prayers and petition with fervent cries and tears. He prayed fervently, passionately. He was a passionate prayer. He wasn't just sort of sitting there, you know, very quietly, like every so often, being like, God, I love you. Amen. Pray for my friend. Amen. He was passionately, with tears, coming to the Father and saying, God, save me, help me, and everything else he prayed. He loved to pray. And why is that? Because he loved the Father. It's this relationship with the Father. So often we see in John, I say what the Father says. Me and the Father, it's this relationship and they build it through prayer, through talking with each other. And then after Jesus has left, the early church just absolutely pick up the mantle. They, they, Jesus is gone and the early church don't get everything right, but I think one thing they get pretty good is that they're a church that pray. Jesus is gone, we better pray. In fact, as Jesus goes, where do you find them? In the upper room praying. They're a church that pray. Acts 2.42, if you've not heard me quote that scripture before, I will quote, quote it now. They devoted themselves to teaching, at breaking bread, prayer. They devoted themselves to prayer. This is a picture of the early church. Devoted means they gave themselves over to. 
It means, it means this was their absolute goal, their passion. We are going to be a people who pray. This is a picture. You want to know what the early church looked like? They prayed. And again, I can challenge you. Go through the book of Acts and try and find a page where there's not some sort of prayer meeting or prayer or conversation with God. They prayed all the time. There's this brilliant story in Acts 12 uh, where Peter, one of the church le- early church leaders, is in prison. And the next day he's going to be uh, crucified. Oh, not crucified. He's going to be executed. Probably chopped his head off. And so the, uh, the, ch- the church are in a prayer meeting through the night. And they're praying. You know, you can, you can imagine the prayer meeting. They're, they're praying for their friend, their leader, who's in prison. They say, God, they're, 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 you know, they're in the heavenlies. God, please release him, save him. Got Alid's there playing Kumbaya. Then it's more prayer. And, you know, they're, come on, Lord, come on, Lord. And, and then there's this knock at the door. But they're too busy. They're, they're praying, come on, Lord, release him, save him, do a miracle. Alid's on to his fifth chorus of Kumbaya by this time. And, and, and so a servant girl goes out. And it's Peter. And she gets, she's so shocked. She didn't think that God would actually answer that prayer. She's so shocked that she goes back into the prayer meeting. And they're all there. Now we're on to chorus number seven. Come by our. Come on, Lord, save him, release him. Come on. And she's like, hey, Peter's outside. And they're like, no. come on, Lord, come on, Lord. No, no, really, he's outside. And then they say, it's probably more likely that his ghost is at the door. As if it's more likely that Peter's ghost is at the door than Peter himself. Like, the most likely thing is it's his ghost, don't worry about it. <laughs> of course it is Peter. And he comes in and enjoys chorus number nine of Kumbaya. <laughs> Prayer was an absolute priority for the early church. And I love that story because it gives me hope. When we pray in our prayer meetings or when I pray on my own and I pray for these really big things, sometimes, and I'm pretty sure I can speak for everyone, I have doubts. I think, mm, can God really do that? It's almost like these guys were also having doubts. Like, this is Peter. I mean, we'll pray for it, but I don't think Peter's actually going to get released. Gives us hope as we pray. The early church prayed. They're absolutely devoted to it. Then Paul. Paul is the next person we can look at. Again, a life of prayer. Before he goes off, Acts 13, on his missionary journey, what does the church do? Give him a massage, sort of get him ready to come and go. They pray for him. They lay their hands on him. They send him out with prayer. And then as Paul's away, you can imagine again, just like Jesus, Paul would have been extremely busy planting churches. People haven't heard of Jesus. He needs to tell them who he is. He needs to give them all the teaching that they require and everything to be part of church. Romans 1 says this, God is my witness. Without ceasing, I mention you always in my prayer. Without ceasing. What's, jo- what, what's um, not John, Paul's attitude when he's busy, when he's out planting churches, hint, we're planting a church, he doesn't cease to pray. He prays without ceasing for his friends, for the people he knows. It is an absolute priority. Prayer is a fuel for mission. He gets sent out by prayer and he prays unceasingly. That's who Paul is. And then, it's just example after example. You can go through the the centuries from them all the way to us of incredible women and men who have been used by God so often behind their public God using of them 
They're people of prayer. Uh, it's incredibly challenging, some of them, four hours. And when I got older, I started praying eight hours a day. But they're people of prayer. It's not this, you, you see them for half an hour publicly, but what you don't see is them behind the closed doors. They're people of prayer. Terry Virgo, I guess, much closer to home, the man who started with a team, the uh, New Frontiers group of churches, which now has, they don't even know, 1,500 churches around the world, not just Canada, around the world, there's other countries as well. He is a man who prays and prays and prays. It's one of his things. Like, again, a challenge, I think he does something two hours a day in the morning. Prays. And we all think, oh, that's, that's a lot. He prioritises it. He prioritises it. So first point, why we should pray, it's because God wants a people of prayer. He wants a relationship. And we see all the way through scripture, people prayed. Okay, second reason why we should pray is that we're in a battle. Nina um, shared the scripture uh, during worship. Uh, the reality is that living life as a Christian like, is that we are in a battle. And it's really, really important that we get that, that we understand that. Because living in Western culture, where you have money to buy a car, we have money to buy a house or rent a house, we have food on the table, we can get comfortable. We can get drawn into materialism and thinking money will, will keep me safe. If I have the next phone or the next car or the next whatever, steak meal, then I'm living a nice, comfortable life. I'm, we get drawn into that. Do you know what the reality is? It's what Nina shared during worship, Ephesians 6. There's this battle going on. That the king, Jesus, won through his death and resurrection, but the enemy is trying to take down people with him. He knows he's defeated. What happens when you're defeated? You fight even the more. And so there is this real battle that's going on. We can't see it, but it is happening. Paul says here in Ephesians 6, uh, I can read a little bit, we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, okay, practical, physical things. We don't wrestle against our non-Christian neighbour who's saying, you're an idiot for going to church. That's not the person that we should be wrestling against. He says, rulers, authorities, cosmic powers, these are the people you should be wrestling with, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. So don't get confused and think, okay, well, you know, someone I've been sharing the gospel with is really aggressive towards me. I really need to become aggressive to that person as well, because we're obviously having a bit of a battle, and I'm, you know, I've got some good arguments. Don't think you're having a battle against them. The reality is that there's a battle going on in the heavenly places. That's the reality. People think they're making... There's, just this, there's a battle going on. It's so important that we understand that. It's absolutely massive because we don't see it. So we need to be reminded again and again and again. We're in a battle. Friends, I love being part of this church. I love having Fika. But the reality is that we're not here for some luxury, you know... Nice times, friends together, and you know, eat fika, go home, do it again. No, we're here because we want to see people saved and added. We are, it's like we are, we're, we're in a battle together. And even that story, of the, the picture that Nina talked about with the shield wall, that is more like what, uh, shield wall, that is more like what we are. Okay, we're standing firm, we're together, there's, there's attacks. That is literally the spiritual reality of what's going on right now. Right now. Right now. 
And we've got to be aware of that. I remember when we first moved over here, uh, no, no, we hadn't moved over here. We came uh, to visit Gothenburg with a team of people from the UK. We've got about 40 people with us. Which, like, not to move over, they didn't all say, nope, just to support us. And they came and looked at Gothenburg. I was obviously leading that weekend. Uh, we had Jeremy with us, the guy who leads the apostolic team for Christ Central. It was a really good opportunity to get us as a church plant out there. I am never sick, ever. Look, that's maybe a bit extreme. I am sick sometimes. But on that weekend, I was violently sick for basically the whole weekend. And we could think, oh, it was just, it was just a dodgy hot dog from 7-Eleven, which it was. <laughs> but if you ask me, the reality is that the enemy knew that there's a church plant going to be landing in Gothenburg and there's this battle going on and he's doing everything he can to stop it because he knows that God is going to use us. He knows that we are dangerous. He knows we're going to tell people about Jesus, about inviting people to Alpha, worship God, glorifying him on Sunday morning throughout the week. He knows that. And so he's battling. He's trying to get everything uh, again. He's trying to stop us. I'm talking far too long. So remember that. And so because we're in a battle, we need to use the right weapons. I, when moving over here, we bought a house, quite an old house, needed a lot of work. So I started to learn how to uh, put in a bathroom, I built a balcony, um, I put in a floor, all that sort of stuff. What I quickly learned was you need to use the right tools for the job. Otherwise you are, like Nina will, Nina will, um, will, will tell you, otherwise you'll get rather stressed <laughs> because you're trying to use something that isn't the right thing for the job. Okay? I learned very quickly, right tools for the right job. Otherwise it's going to be a disaster. We're in a battle. We need the right weapons. What are the weapons? One of them, I won't go through all of them, one of them is prayer. Paul says, you find yourself in a battle. What do you do? What is a tool for the job? What is a weapon? Pray. Speak to God. Verse 18 says at 6.18, praying at all times in the spirit. This, this gives you a new picture of prayer. Prayer isn't this, quite often we think prayer is dry, it's to be done in like an old church building, maybe at a wedding or at a funeral, and you get on one of those knee things, like, and it's really old, but perhaps like old people do it. That's not this picture of prayer. This picture of prayer is a powerful weapon against the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. That's very, very different. That is what prayer is. So pray because we're living in a battle. Third, uh, pray because it works. So simple. Uh, James is very blunt. He says, you do not have because you do not ask. Jesus in Matthew 7 says, ask and you will receive. Knock, and the door will be opened unto you. James Fraser, uh, who is not the actor from the TV show Outlander, although he is, but this is a different one, an older one, he's now not alive, he went as a missionary to southwest China, and he went there to see a specific group of people called the Lisu, I don't know how you pronounce it, the Lisu people, and he went to plant churches and tell them about Jesus. And this was a group of people that knew nothing about Jesus. This is what he said. 
I am like a businessman that has discovered one thing that works and I want to give myself to it. That's talking about prayer. I'm like a businessman, I found one thing that works and I want to give everything to it. He saw revival, he saw churches planted that were led and established by locals. He had to translate the New Testament because they didn't understand the language. So he tr- learned the language first and then translated the Bible, the New Testament. Incredibly powerfully moved, moves of God, used by God. What was his secret? Like a businessman, I found the thing that works. What was it? Prayer. Lots of people are sick in February. In Sweden, it's called Vabre, if you're new to Sweden. Because basically all kids get sick and parents have to vab, have to go off work. If you watch TV today or over the next few days, have a look at the adverts. The amount of adverts that are about Apotherket or Lloyd's Pharmacy or buy this cold remedy and you won't have a cold. You'll get it before, you won't get it at all. Like it's all these adverts about medicine. It's because the companies know what works at this time. I'm sitting there with two kids who are both a bit ill. They go, oh, we should go to Apotherket. In fact, we did go to Apotherket. <laughs> it works. James Fraser says this. Do you know what the thing that works when planting churches, when fighting against the enemy? Prayer. I found that like a businessman, and I'll go for it. So it's, it's this incredible prayer, it's this incredible journey with Jesus. Now, I did have a story, to, I'm not going to share it, there's a story in here about how God uses a man called Chavda, Manish Chavda, in incredible ways. This is a guy who prays, in just incredible ways, he's like sitting on kids, uh, sitting with kids who are completely sick and God just heals them. And he talks about his prayer life. God, it's, it's going on an adventure with God. That's what prayer is. And I think it's important to say at this point that does God answer every prayer? I think we've probably all prayed a few times in our lives. And the reality is that he doesn't always answer every prayer. And there's, 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 there's a reality that sometimes we pray and God says no. Sometimes we pray and God says yes, but in a different way to what you think. Perhaps God says yes, but not now. Or perhaps he says yes. So we need to make sure that we come to God not expecting him like a a vending machine that we put in a prayer and out comes what we want every time. We know that doesn't work. And so there is some sort of mystery to prayer. But we need to understand this. We are, we are part of God's big story. It's his story. He is the author. He is in complete control. And he has called us into his story. And he said this, speak to me. Pray to me. Ask me for things. Show your faith in my, me by asking me. And so we need to play our part. We need to play our part well. And he says, pray, ask, and you will receive. Knock. Charles Spurgeon, an English uh, preacher, 
in the 19th century, 20th century. I always get it confused. The 1900s. The 20th century or 19th century? 20th. 18th. 18th. Okay, anyway, that's, that's, we've not got any time. That is definitely not something we should spend time on. This is what Charles Spurgeon says about prayer. Prayer is the slender nerve that moves the muscle of omnipotence. What that means, this word here that I can hardly pronounce, is God's power. God's power. Prayer is the slender nerve, it's the small nerve that moves the muscle of God's power. That's what prayer is. That is an incredible quote. We get to play our small little part in this story, but God is the one with all power. He is the storyteller. It's, he's the muscle. And so as, as we do this little, little prayer, we move this incredible, powerful God. It's just, why should we pray? That there is reason enough. Forget that he wants to pee from prayer and that we're in a battle. Because we get to move the power of God through prayer. Okay. So that's three reasons why we should pray. Uh, now I'm going to move on to how we can pray. And we have five minutes left, which is wonderful news. So what I'm going to do is we're going to look at some, sat, some just very quick, I'm literally just going to fire them out. I've got eight tips to pray to help us in our life of prayer. And at small groups this week, you can discuss this a little bit more and think about some of your own ones that help. And I've printed this out to give to the leaders as well. First one, if you're not good at praying, if you've never prayed, if you're thinking, oh, I don't know how to pray, therefore I don't really pray, simple, start. Just start. Talk to God about anything. Just start. Jesus says in Matthew 6, 5, when. When you pray. He doesn't say, this is, he doesn't say if you pray, if you're feeling like it. He says when you pray. Start. Number one. Imitate someone. Be with someone. If you're really struggling, find someone in the church who you think, no, actually that person probably prays more than me. Can, and, and go to them and say, can I spend some time praying with you? Learn from them. It's discipleship. Paul says, 1 Corinthians 11, 1, imitate me. As I said earlier, Terry Virgo is just this man of prayer. And I know him a little bit. And he was at a conference a few years ago. And I knew that he prayed. And so what did I do? I chatted to him for a little bit. And I thought, this is my chance to spend some time in prayer with Terry Virgo. Because I know that in the morning, he spends a couple of hours on his own. And so I thought, I can imitate him. And so I was, we were chatting about some small talk. I said, Terry, is it okay if I, next, tomorrow morning, pray with you? He said, no. no. So harsh. Heartbroken. So don't ask Terry, is the, is the example there. But uh, find someone. Ask them, can I pray with you? Honestly, I've not got over it. No. <laughs> uh, next one. Ooh, ooh. Oh, no, no, wait, wait. Wow. Okay, if you can get that. Oh, well How? Start with someone. Different context. Pray all the time. Don't just pray on a Sunday morning. Please don't just pray on a Sunday morning. Please don't just pray in a church prayer meeting. Hear me right here. I want our church prayer meetings to be full. So we need new buildings and stuff like that. I want us to, everyone to come along to a church prayer meeting. I think there's something powerful about being together as we pray. That is not the only time you should pray. Pray alone. In your house. Outside your house. 
If you have a family, pray with them. Before food, after food, if someone's feeling sick. Friends, pray with friends. If you're going over to someone's house to watch a film, why don't you spend 15 minutes before that film praying? If you hear someone's, oh, I'm not feeling good, okay, cool, let me quickly pray, on the phone, in a coffee shop, at school, with one person, three people, the whole church. Pray everywhere. Which leads me on to my next point. Pray unceasingly, as Paul did. Pray all the time. All the time. Don't just wait until your once a week moment that you get half an hour to pray. Talk to God. It's about relationship. It's about asking God. Talk to Him all the time. It was great just chatting up. Sure, she won't mind me saying, but Wendy just said to me last week, she said, Do you know what? I just talk to God all the time. I'm out on the island. I talk to God all the time. She said, I can't wait to move into the city so I can be more involved with church. But when I'm on the island, I talk to God probably more than you, Josh. That's probably right, to be honest. <laughs> Unceasingly. Just do it. Unceasingly. Uh, next one. Oh, no, I've got a different order to what I've got here. Ah, oh, I've done that again. Da, 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 da. Thankful. Uh, be thankful. Really simple. Be thankful. Just thank God. So often we think things like, oh, so tired because my baby's been keeping me awake all night. Thank God that you have a child. He's been good to you. Oh, I've got to get up to work Monday morning. So hard. Thank God that he's given you work. Oh, I've got to cook again. Oh, cook every day. Thank God that he's given you food. Be thankful. Let's be a thankful people. He has been very good to us. And of course, the greatest way that he's been good to us is through his son. Thank him for Jesus. If you're really having a really bad time, at least we have one thing that we can be thankful for, and that is Jesus. Uh, okay, a priority. Prioritise prayer. Jesus always prioritised prayer. There's this story in Matthew 14 where Jesus feeds 5,000 people, and that's just the men. So there's like lots of people he feeds. Do you know what he does after he... And this is feeding with just a few bits of food. Do you know what he does after that? It says this. Immediately he went to pray. Immediately. It doesn't say he used the moment to hand out business cards and invite them to Alpha because they were like putty in his hand after seeing this incredible miracle. And he told them all about himself. And his, it says this, he went away to pray immediately. And for me, as a church plant leader, I'm thinking, that's crazy, Jesus. This is your moment to invite them to Alpha. Of course they're going to say yes. This is your moment to get in that small group on next Sunday. They're going to say yes. Jesus prioritised prayer. He immediately goes, I want to be with my father. I want to be with my father. It's almost a priority that we, 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 we can't get our heads around. It doesn't make sense, Jesus. He prioritises it. Another reason, one reason why people say they don't pray is because they can't pray, they don't have simple start. Another reason why people say they don't pray is because they say they don't have the time. I don't have the, you know, I'm really busy. Eight hour a day at work, got the kids, got to cook, Netflix, Twitter, Facebook, then it's bed. So there's no time to pray. 
That's rubbish. It's not true. We all have the time to pray. It's just what we do is we prioritise Netflix above prayer. We prioritise Facebook above prayer. I have on my phone something called screen time. If you have an Apple phone, unlucky. <laughs> it comes with a report once a week with how much time I, I spend on my phone. Like, it's not good reading. It, what it says is I do not prioritise prayer and reading the Bible enough. It says I prioritise other things above. Guys, like Paul, like Jesus, like the early church, we should be a people who prioritise prayer. <laughs> How crazy is it to get to our end? To, imagine if we got to the end of the life, our life, and you know, and and we've spent more time on Facebook than we have in speaking to God, our Father who is in heaven, asking Him for our friends. Asking for our family, asking for this situation, that situation. How crazy would that be? Spent more time watching football than speaking to the Father who created the creator of the heavens and the earth. Prioritise it. Like I, think, I do think sometimes we need to shape up. This should be our highest priority. Jesus does this incredible thing and immediately he goes away to prayer. Prioritise prayer. Let's be a people who prioritise prayer. Two more, really quickly. Uh, worship, really simple, practical. I worship. Probably not ideal to do this if you're praying in Condeco. But I will often sing a few songs which will lead me into a time of prayer. I find that really helpful for me personally and it might help you as well. So I'll sing, you know, Lord let your glory fall as on the ancient days. And then I'll pray, God... Please, bless Gothenburg. Holy Spirit, just fill everyone in church. Let your glory fall in this city. You know, it kind of goes. Worship, it's really helpful. Finally, we found out a couple of weeks ago uh, that the Holy Spirit is called the helper. Don't know what to pray for? You feel dry? Ask the helper. Romans 8.26 We do not know what to pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us. There's this invitation of the Holy Spirit that's so important. I have, I, I've had some times of prayer where I've been looking at my watch and been like, okay, it must be into the second hour by now, and it's like two minutes has gone. Yeah. So, and five minutes have gone. And I'm like, absolute killer. There's been other times when I've said, look, God, please fill me. And then prayer has just come, and it's like an hour has gone by, and I've been like, what, was that really an hour? And we need to invite the Holy Spirit into our lives, into our prayer lives, into every area of our life. The helper helps. I would like to finish uh, with a quote from James Fraser. And remember, this is a man who went into a place who had not heard about Jesus. They didn't, you know, they, they, they knew nothing about church. Okay, nothing. Not about giving, not about baptism, not about anything. Okay, pick what you want. They knew nothing. So you can imagine the amount of teaching that he had to do to establish churches led by the locals. This is what he said. I used to think that prayer should have the first place and teaching the second. I now feel that prayer should have the first, second and third place and teaching the fourth. 
This is a man who like went to a place where there was no church or anything, and he established it. He needed to do a lot of teaching, but he said place number one, two, and three, that goes to prayer. Because that is the slender nerve that moves Almighty God. Prayer. I, I want to be a church that loves God. I want to be a church that loves the city. I want to be a church that loves the poor. I want to be a church that loves kids. A church that loves worship. A church that is financially generous so that we can give to other churches and church plants. I want to be a church that impacts the nations. We have the nations amongst us, which is amazing. But I want us to be able to go to the nations. I want to be a church <laughs> where God's presence is so powerful, people come into this room and they're like, surely God is with you. I want to be a church where we run Alpha courses every year and we see people say regularly. And not just on Alpha courses, but in coffee shops. We need to pray. We need to say, God, we can't do this alone. We need you. I pray for my friend again. I've been praying for him for three years. I pray again today. I've been praying for him for 13 years. I pray again today. Because prayer is powerful. God wants a people of prayer. He wants relationship. So importantly, he's passionate about it. We pray because we're in this battle, this unseen battle. We pray because it works. Because God is good. Let's pray. <laughs> Father God, we just we absolutely love you. Uh, we thank you for Jesus. We thank you you sent your son for us. Uh, who were just completely dead in our own sins. We were making so many wrong decisions just against your will, running away from you, um, simply put, Lord. And you sent Jesus to rescue us. And I just thank you, Jesus, for your life, for your death, for your resurrection. I thank you that in the garden you pray, not your will, but my will be done. Uh, not my will, but your will be done. I thank you, Jesus, for that prayer. Thank you that you went to the cross, that you opened up the opportunity that we can now boldly approach God yeah. with prayers <laughs> and know that we are completely in you Jesus because of your works, because of your salvation God you are so good Jesus, oh we love you I just, I ask you I ask you that we will be a people of prayer, not just once a month in a prayer meeting, not once a week on a Sunday morning or at a small group but Lord may we be a church that prioritise prayer above everything else just like Jesus did. Jesus, just like you did. Unceasingly, coming to the Father, asking for things that are way out of our faith level, just like the early church did in Acts 12. Lord, and we want to sit, I just pray, Lord, may you answer our prayers. Lord, I just pray for those of us in this room, and I know there's people who aren't in this room who are ill at the moment. Lord, I, I just pray, may your healing hand be on them. I pray for our friends who don't know you. Lord, come into their lives. Pray for family members, colleagues, people we see at Dargis. Lord, we want to be a church that just sees people saved so that we can give you glory. We love you, God. We really do. We really do. You're so good. Amen. Amen.